Thank you, Sam. That was a, that was a great word around communion. It's always all about Jesus, isn't it? It's all about why, what he did, and that's why we are here. It's not because of what we could do, but it's because of what Christ has done. Um, well, on behalf of uh, my wife, Sharon, I just want to thank everybody for your prayers and for your support the last um, two months. Uh, as you know, this is a year of growth, and uh, my, my family has physically grown. Um, <laughs> So now a family of four, and uh, yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a real hectic, hectic two months. Uh, yes, uh, my, I think my eye bags have grown twi- two times the size. Uh, so so are Sharon's, uh, but it's it's good, it's good. Um, and we thank you for all your prayers and all your support, and we are grateful for um, our parents that have come to help us. And uh, Sharon's parents have just left yesterday. My folks are coming this evening, so reinforcements are coming. <laughs> uh, thank God for daylight savings. It's one of those mornings I wake up and I say, oh no, I'm late for church. Oh, I'm not late for church. Thank God for that, because every mo- nowadays with kids, you wake up and you're panicking. Oh no, I'm going to be late for church. But um, thank God for daylight savings. Good get to do this once a year. Um, well, um, let's get on with what... Uh, I'm going to share today. Um, shall we pray before we, before we go to the Word? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be able to be with your family. I thank you, Lord, that you've called us together as one. And I ask that today, just like the song say, Lord, leave us astounded, leave us amazed. Lord, show us your glory today and invade, O oh God, because all I can give you is my five loaves and two fish. And Lord, I pray that you will multiply it into something that will change people's lives. We ask this in your most precious name, Jesus. Amen. Well, today I'm going to share with you a very simple message on a very painful topic. All right? Uh, it affects uh, 50%, probably 50% of the world's population. Uh, so if you have chromosome XY, this is, this is potentially a very painful thing to go through. All right, uh, now we're going to talk about, just in case you wonder what is that, <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about circumcision. All right, now, you know most of the time when people share, they say, oh, how many of you uh, brought your Bibles? I'm not going to ask the show of hands who is circumcised, all right? <laughs> I, am, I am certainly not going to show you, <laughs> I'm certainly not going to show you a YouTube video on, on circumcision either. And for those of you with young children, I hope there's none, uh, just ask your parents, all right? I'm not going to explain <laughs> what circumcision is. Um, and neither am I going to talk about testimonials of before or after circumcision, how you feel, all right? Now, so the topic today we're going to talk about is the circumcised life, right? Um, yes, it has nothing to do with foreskins, all right? So if you don't know what foreskin is, I'm not going to explain that either, all right? Okay, now, circumcision. I'm sure you know many cultures do that, all right? Many cultures do that for many different reasons, all right? And I can tell you that from a medical point of view, there are medical reasons for circumcision, all right? There are, there are reasons uh, which I will not delve into, but there are reasons for medical therapeutic circumcision. Right. But in many cultures in the world, they do it because it is part of their culture 
and many times it's to do with their religion. Now, circumcision, if, when we read our Bibles, you, you read a lot of times when it's being mentioned. All right, in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament. So it is a topic that, that surfaces very regularly when we read our Bibles. So I think it's quite important that we get a grasp on what this is all about. All right, rather than just thinking of it as just a religious ceremony. Right, so why don't we take a little bit of a trip back in time on when circumcision, circumcision star, started in the Old Testament. So we go back to where it all began because circumcision started when God spoke to Abraham. All right, so let's go to physical circumcision first. All right, now in the book of Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 to 14, if you have your Bibles, you can... You can flip to it, or you can just read up on the screen, but I think I got my fonts wrong, so it's going to be a little bit difficult for you to read from the screen, but in the book of Genesis, God came to Abraham, and God made a promise to Abraham, and said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make your descendants great, and you're going to be a father of many nations, and all the good things that you read about, the promises that God has given to Abraham, and when you read Oh, what happened to it? Hmm. Right, when you read, uh, as you read along, to signify or to sort of to bear the mark of a covenant. So God made a covenant with Abraham. And so just, just before I go on, what is a covenant? All right? Now, a covenant, contrary to what a lot of people think, covenant is not the alien race that you fight against in Halo. Right, for those, uh, um, the covenant is actually a lasting promise. Now, there's a few times in life where you heard the word covenant a lot. One is marriage, all right? The covenant of marriage, which is to death do us part. And here, God gave a covenant to Abraham. He said, I will bless you and the generations that follow you, but you must do this one thing, all right? And here he says, you, you must cut off the flesh of the foreskin of all, all, your ma of all the males in your household. Uh, every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. Thank God for that, isn't it? That, so children don't remember when they're being circumcised on the eighth day, so thank God for that. Um, this applies not only to the members of your family, but to the servants born in your household and also to the foreign-born servants that you have purchased. All right, so God was very specific to Abraham. He said, every male must be circumcised because that bears the mark of the covenant that God is about to give to Abraham. And, and so Abraham obeyed God and he circumcised his whole household. I mean, I'm, I'm glad I'm not a servant in his household. You know, if I, you know, it's like, like, you know, the next day you say, Abraham, why do you cut a deal with God and now you want to circumcise me? Like, you know, there's no general anesthetic in those days. <laughs> And I've seen it done on, on adults and looks really, really painful. Um, now, uh, I do not know how they do it those days, but uh, we, won't, we won't delve into that. Um, so, Abraham obeyed God and all the males were circumcised. God took circumcision very seriously, all right? Uh, it is not something that uh, God tells Abraham and then his children don't do it and they say, oh, don't worry, oh, we'll, we'll skip the next generation and then you, know, you, you can catch up later. God actually took it very seriously. All right? When God called Moses 
to deliver the Israelites, and Moses was about to re-enter Egypt. God nearly killed him. If you, if you read, God nearly killed him because I believe he didn't circumcise his son. All right? And what? thank God for his wife that probably quickly took a knife and just cut off the foreskin. And, and if you read, it's as bloody as that. So, yeah, he cut off the foreskin of his, of, his, um, of his oldest son. I think his name is Gershom. And he laid it on Abraham's feet, and he says, Now you are a bridegroom of blood to me. Now, why did he say that? It's because it is a covenant of blood, right? Because God has said earlier on that if you do not do this, you will be cut off from the covenant. You will be cut off from the blessings. And so, thank God for his wife that actually saved, Abraham, uh, saved Moses, and she's quickly circumcised Moses' son. So, so Moses was spared. And if you read on in the book of Joshua, chapter 5, verse 2 to 8, the Israelites have just crossed over the Jordan and they're about to take on Jericho. And everybody knows what happens in Jericho. But do you know that before they actually went to Jericho, God gave Joshua a specific command to actually circumcise every male? Every male in the entire Israelite camp. All right, so can you imagine that you're, you're the people in Jericho, you're about to, to fight this army, and suddenly, like, oh, gee, they're all getting circumcised. <laughs> you know, it's, um, but God took it seriously, because why? Because they weren't circumcised when they left Egypt. So the generation that was with Moses were circumcised, but Joshua and the rest of them were not. And God had to bring them back into the covenant again before they can even enter into the promised land. See, so God took circumcision very seriously. And so, you know, it's fine that we know that circumcision is like a physical mark of the covenant that God has given to the Israelites. But, you know, sometimes I ask God, God, why do you make it so painful and hard? Like, can't you just like pierce my ear so that I'll be a, you know, like I'll be the mark of the covenant, do a tattoo on my back, oh, I am a Jew. You know, like, like why, why, why do you want to circumcise so that you would, <laughs> to prove that you're a Jew? Um, but, as, as I read through it, it, a few things cropped up. I just want to share with you those thoughts. So I believe circumcision, oops, the covenant of circumcision, like I said, it is a covenant of blood and is irreversible. All right? Because I haven't heard of a foreskin implant back yet. So, so there's no more transplants of foreskins. So when you circumcise, it's permanent. So God has given a permanent, a permanent covenant. And so their bodies mark the mark of a permanent covenant. Right? And the excision of a flesh signifies losing part of yourself for a greater purpose. And that is why the Israelites have always been called by God to be set apart, to be set apart for a greater purpose. You know, when God asked the nation of Israel not to intermarry, because he wants them set apart. And I think if you're an Israelite male and you're about to marry somebody that is not in the covenant, something's going to remind you, right? And you know, circumcision is such a personal thing. It affects the most personal part of a man's body, all right? I mean, that's, that's an issue for, for debate, but it is a personal, private part. But it also signifies something that is generational. Because in those days, the mark of success of a man is actually his descendants, how many children you're going to have. So, so God is actually putting a mark that shows that the covenant is irreversible 
and he wants them to be set apart for him and it will affect their personal private lives and also as a nation right so god actually had it all thought out when he asked abraham to undergo this and the good part of it is he asked that if they obey they would have circumcised every male child in the eighth day so babies tolerate circumcision much better all right now we move on to the new testament and we just had communion and that is the mark of a new covenant all right because we have a new covenant of blood because it's no longer the, the covenant of the blood of your foreskin or the blood of animals but is the blood of jesus so jesus has come to fulfill the covenant and he's given us a new covenant of blood by his death on the cross but then when we see the church the early days of the church in the book of acts there was so much debate isn't it there was so much debate there was so much conflict around the issue of circumcision because the jews cannot come to terms that look um, if you want to be a christian you have to be a jew and that was their argument that look you are not circumcised means you're not going to be a christian all right because to them because jesus is a jew so you have to be a jew to be a christian and you can see in the book of Acts, I'm just giving you a few examples, a few references to go back on, as when the Apostle Paul and Barnabas went back to the church in Jerusalem and talked to them about this whole conflict. And in the end, they drafted out a letter. They drafted out a letter so that they can bring back to the church, to the Gentile church, telling them that, look, you do not need to be circumcised to be a Christian, but rather you should be living holy lives. You should be living lives. And, and so it talks about not the physical side anymore. They start talking about living a godly life. So that's, that's what it's all about in the New Testament. And you can read on and on about the whole argument with circumcision because the Apostle Paul puts it in such brilliant way in the book of Romans and in the book of Galatians. All right? Uh, but I will, we, for the sake of time, we will not delve into that. So is circumcision still relevant for a Christian? I think it is. Because do you know that the issue is never the issue? The issue is never about the foreskin. The issue is about the heart, you see. So then you wonder, has God changed his mind? So you know, God, you're so hard on the Israelites when they were when, before Jesus and, and then suddenly you tell them that circumcision is not relevant anymore. No, because circumcision has always been about the heart. Right? So I'm going to show you from scriptures. Back in Deuteronomy, so this is nowhere near Jesus' time. So in the book of Deuteronomy, God was challenging the Israelites to circumcise their hearts. All right? I'm reading from the New Living Translation. So therefore, change your hearts. Or in the Hebrew language, circumcise the foreskin of your hearts and stop being stubborn. Back in Jeremiah, when the Israelites were rebelling against God, Jeremiah in his book says, O people of Judah and Jerusalem, surrender your pride and power. Change your hearts before the Lord. And, and in their translation, the original translation says, circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskin of your heart or my anger will be like an unquenchable fire because of your sins. And Acts chapter 7 verse 51 this is when Stephen made his big address before he was stoned. He says, you stubborn people, you people who are heathen at heart, uncircumcised at heart and deaf to the truth, must you always resist the Holy Spirit? And that's what your ancestors did and so do you. 
and Romans chapter 4, 11. This sums it all up because the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 4, 11, the circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith. So because Abraham had faith, then he was circumcised. That means Abraham was already circumcised at heart before he even had the physical circumcision. So this is all about the heart. And they were counted as righteous because of their faith. And so what does this, what does this all mean to us today uh, in this modern day and age when we live under the covenant of grace? God still puts out that same challenge to all of us that we have to have hearts that are circumcised. We need to have a heart that is circumcised. It doesn't matter what you do anymore in the surface or the issues that you normally debate. It is about your heart. And in this year, a year of growth, I challenge myself and challenge all of us that we look back to our hearts and to check ourselves regularly and see that are we circumcised in our hearts. So what does it mean? What does it mean to have a circumcised heart? They say, yeah, yeah, you know, it's good. We, we talk, it's so abstract, all right? But actually, being circumcised in the heart is not that hard to understand, all right? Romans chapter 2, verse 28 to 29. For you are not a true Jew because you were born of Jewish parents or because you've gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law, Rather, it is a change of heart produced by God's Spirit, and that sums it all up. All right? So, how do we have a circumcised heart? Is it, do we have a circumcised heart by coming to church every week or, or reading our Bibles regularly? No. No. Because what the Apostle Paul is trying to say is that without the change of heart caused by the Holy Spirit, we can never be circumcised in our hearts. And we sing about it today. We sing about um, the Holy Spirit, come like a fire, come and consume me, come and change me. We talk about being set apart in the song, set apart for the one we love, set apart for God. And so we have to rely on the Holy Spirit to have our hearts circumcised. And it is a daily process and it's a painful process sometimes because when God asks us to shed the flesh, shed a bit of our flesh, of our pride, it is painful. But it is necessary for growth. So what is a circumcised heart? I can sum it down to three things. All right? Your heart is only circumcised when you accept the revelation that we are made righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's not works. You know, it's so easy for us to be caught up in religion. You know, and we can, be, we can be caught up in a lot of religion, even as a Pentecostal church. We can go through the same motions. We can do the same thing week in and week out. But yet, we never really have that revelation in our, in our hearts. And so, if we allow that revelation to sink deep into our hearts, that we are always made righteous because of the blood of Jesus, by a covenant-keeping God that has given us an everlasting covenant as long as we accept it. That's the first step. And the circumcised heart is the heart that allows the Holy Spirit to set us apart. Just as the Israelites were set apart as people of the covenant, we, as the church, we are people of the new covenant. And we need to ask God to set us apart 
in our hearts and even in our daily lives so that we will bear the mark of the new covenant. And it is not easy, but it is something that God has called us to. Because you know what? When God tells us that we are salt and we are light, God has never asked us to be covert guerrilla operation Christians. All right? So we are never meant to, to be like the Illuminati, where, you know, within the background, pushing things around. All right? We, God says that we are the city on the hill. We are the city on the hill that cannot be hidden. So I, I'm so glad that we have that little sign up there in Port Lincoln that says, One heart, we love Port Lincoln. Because we are the city on the hill. All right? And God has called us as a church to bear his mark. And he has appointed us as his sole representative on this earth. Because he could have called angels, he could have done, he could have called donkeys in, he could have called anything. But he's chosen us. He's chosen us through his Holy Spirit working in us. And so do not be afraid to let our outward behavior reflect our inner change. Can I invite the musicians out? So will we be the people of covenant? Will we be the people who will honor, who do our part to live lives that are worthy of what Jesus has done for us on the cross? And we know that we can never do it by our own strength. Because if I do it by just doing, going through the motions in church and doing the Christianese thing, I will never get there. But it's only by the Holy Spirit. So today, if, I, if there's anything that you can take home or take back in your hearts, is that we need to be reliant on the Holy Spirit to circumcise our hearts so that we will be people who are truly set apart, true people who are truly devoted to Jesus Christ, not just on the outside, but more importantly, on the inside. In this day and age, there will be many challenges to our values as Christians. You know, there's, there's a big push to push a lot of things that is really against what God intended. Things to be family, marriages, how to raise your children. We as the church, if we are the sole representative of what Jesus has called us to do, we have to hold fast. We have to hold fast to what Jesus has asked us to do by the help of the Holy Spirit. Shall we pray? Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you will do a surgery in our hearts today. Lord, that you will take away the foreskins of our hearts, that we will truly be circumcised in our hearts personally, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that you will set us apart as truly, Lord, the light of the world and the city on the hill, that we will truly, O oh God, be a representative of you in this earth. So set us apart, Holy Spirit. Do your work in us, Lord, as we invite you every day in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray.